welcome to this episode of the Gig Harbor Flycast. I have Aaron O'Brien with me today, and I'm super excited because I've been twisting his arm about sitting down to do a podcast forever. And he said, dude, I am not going to give up my, my secret fishing spots. And, and here we are going to give up all of your favorite fishing spots. I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> oh man. So, um uh Aaron's been guiding for us since 2017 and right? Yeah. More or less. More or less. More yeah. or less. I mean, what's a year anyways? Yeah. Uh, but for a while, for uh, quite a bit. And he's our lead guide. Um, and many of you have booked trips and have been out with Aaron and uh, and love Aaron. And so excited to have a conversation with him because you'll get to know him a little bit better. For those of you that have not booked a trip with us, um, uh, we hope to kind of give you a little bit of a flavor of, uh, of what the seasons look like. Because uh, for us, there's a lot of variety and it changes a lot. And um, part of the initial questions we have with people uh, is just trying to, uh, or the initial conversations we have with people about guide trips is just helping them into the right kind of seasons. Because we get people that say, hey, can I want to book a steelhead trip and it's like August. And it's like, well, maybe not this month, but how about we go fish the saltwater for salmon or something like that. So anyways, uh, ho hopefully this is educational and you pick something up from it, uh, whether you're booking a guide trip or you're just looking at doing some fishing around Western Washington. Maybe uh, I know a lot of people just kind of get their, their place, their rut and, um, and they're, they just fish the beaches or they just fish lakes and they would like to fish something else. But, uh, but they just need a little bit of a nudge to go try those things or, um, or they haven't even thought about it before uh, getting out and going after a different fish than they're used to. So, um, so we're going to wind back the clock a little bit and talk about the spring. So this last spring, uh, you ran a bunch of different trips and um, quite a few trips on lakes. And, uh, and I know most people are going to be thinking as soon as we say spring lake fishing, um, they're going to be thinking they're the picture in their mind is trout. Uh, but you actually are pretty deadly on bass fishing and you love to, to bass fish. What, what do you think about bass fishing as far as, um, when it comes to fly anglers in Western Washington? Uh, you know, it's kind of a overlooked fishery, I think a little bit. Um, it's really good in the spring, the fish are you know, getting ready to spawn and, um, typically that may timeframe and, it can be really, really good. Shallow water, big fish. So, uh, springtime for fishing, fishing for bass. Are you fishing poppers for fish that time of year, or is that too soon? And you're fishing different tactics. That's a little early for topwater, in my experience. But um, the the streamer bites really good. Um, I think um, you know when we were down on Mayfield this spring. Um, man, we were just crushing them on the little <laughs> that little was, stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. little streamers. I think a lot of people, when they think, if they haven't done bass fishing before and they're thinking of it, they're thinking of topwater. Um, and, you know, it definitely is cool to get a topwater eat, you know. But they are, you know, they see guys throwing crankbaits and, and, you know, nine-inch long plastic worms and all this kind of stuff. And they assume that to catch decent-sized bass, that that the fly would, would have to be big. But So you're saying that, that, that that's not the case, that small stuff works just fine small stuff works good too yep okay well what about trout fishing because um you know there are a lot of people that they want to fish lakes for trout sometimes they you know they i think anglers initially have a lot of fun with stocked trout and catch a bunch of them but then they but then it's like okay i don't know how many more you know 11 to 13 inch trout i really want to to catch 
Um, for people that are looking for maybe some some more quality trout, some larger fish, uh, what are some suggestions for them? Maybe even um, even around tactics or like or maybe I mean, we don't have to hotspot things or whatever like sure. that because there are like two million people that listen to this podcast, <laughs> but. <laughs> Thanks to both of you, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't really want to hotspot stuff. We're always willing to tell people when they stop in the shop or call us or whatever, but, but maybe you have some suggestions on maybe how to find, find some of those quality fish. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the state puts out a stocking report, um, and it includes the size of the fish. So if you're looking for the, the, the more quality, you know, bigger five to 10 pound trout there, there's a list of them. They, they put it right out there. So. It's pretty easy to find. <laughs> so there's no secrets anymore, man. Yeah, if it's if it wasn't Facebook that ruined fishing, like it's the, it's the stocking report. I think they've put that out for quite quite a bit. Okay, so you did mention Mayfield, and um, uh, and I was on that trip in the in the spring. Super fun to see muskies. We well, we saw a muskie eat a bass while we were there. Like that was crazy. Um, but this was this was really fun we did a lot of musky trips uh, this spring and summer some people don't even know what a musky is so maybe uh share what is a musky and then um, what are some of the tactics that we use to go after them yeah um so tiger musky are a cross between a northern pike and a standard musky and they're a sterile uh hybrid and they're stocked into uh, seven of our lakes here in washington um for typically for uh, control of a, a species in the lake that the state is trying to knock the numbers down and they do a really good job of it they're just eating machines <laughs> eating machines that's all they do is eat well and you look at them and like you're like yeah this this thing was designed to be an eating machine like teeth big huge mouth that can swallow you know like a duck <laughs> yeah. yeah so then you're actually fly fishing for muskies and um like you just go throw any fly in the water. Or? Oh, yeah. <laughs> super, easy. super easy. Yeah. I think they call them the fish are like ten casts or something. Yeah, like ten, that. ten, comma, uh, thousand, zero, zero, zero. Thousand <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they get a little bit tough to catch as, as they get bigger because they don't eat as frequently. Um, they eat a big, a big meal, you know, and then they sit there and digest it. And I sometimes I do that. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah, or I was thinking Seabex pizza. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they can be a little challenging sometimes. Um, they uh, will often follow your fly and just look at it, you know. Um, but, uh, man, when you get them to eat, they're spectacular. So I had I had one muskie eat, and it was hilarious because uh, the rest of the group was, was down the shoreline quite a bit, and I was just kind of by myself, and I'm fishing this one area. It dropped off pretty good, and the, the water clarity was a little bit... Um, it wasn't quite as clear as some of the air, other areas we were at. And I'm stripping this giant fly. Jack had tied this fly up. And it was this big, massive black thing. And we've, you know, since learned that they'll eat all sorts of sizes of flies. But but I'm stripping this fly in on the 10-way with the intermediate line. And all of a sudden, like, this giant log just, it just, like, floats up and materializes out of nothing. And, you know, and you don't even really... I don't know. Some fish have like a really distinguished movement as they kick their tail. This thing just kind of, they kind of just glide. Like, I think they have like some kind of sort of jetpack or something, but this thing just kind of like floats back behind, you know, behind my fly. And the fly is not very far. Like it, I had not cast uh, a, a very long cast. And that now my fly is like literally 10 feet 
from the boat. Like it, I could almost stab this fish with my, with my rod tip. And I, and I stopped. So I sit there and I just, instead of stripping the fly, I just kind of twitch it. And that fly was so big and heavy. It was just kind of sitting in the water and it's just kind of dipping and diving just the head of the fly. And it was making the tail kick. Next thing I know the muskie just opens its mouth and inhales and my fly goes into his mouth. I go to set the hook, I strip set it. And, um, and this thing just starts thrashing back and forth with its mouth open. And I see the fly in its mouth. It's just, just churning the water thrashing and like it probably thrashed like three big head shakes and then my fly just came out and at that point i'm i'm like oh my gosh i hooked a muskie <laughs> like it was just so weird i'm it was like it's like the whole experience happened and then i didn't believe it like i'm like no way i'm like oh my gosh i just hooked a muskie that was so cool but um is that how they always eat that's the only one i've ever seen eat so uh man no they do um they do a bunch of different stuff. Like we had some, we had some wild, uh, eats. Um, one of them, uh, I got to see it, uh, really close. Um, the fish was laying there like they often do, you know, kind of looking at you and sizing you up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they don't seem to have a lot of fear. Like they're, they're pretty, right. they're pretty like, okay with you being there. Um, it did a full 360 and came and, but it ate the fly very gently. It just, just sucked the fly in like the kind of, you know, almost like a trout, you know, taking a mayfly. Like, yeah. They're the eats are, the eats are cool, man. Okay. Well, I, I'm not the only one that's wanting, uh, this next year to, to, to go after them. I, I mean, I've heard from several clients, especially when they've seen like the pictures that you got of some of these fish, um, pretty, pretty spectacular. I mean, it's, uh, you know, even just seeing them in the water, like not even necessarily like hooking the hooking them, which is, that's great too. But just the experience of seeing the fish and even trying to cast to them and tease them and stuff like that. Um, but I think a lot of times the one that you don't see is the one that eats. Um, but so some of these trips down there, we, we encountered other fish other than muskies. And so that was a really cool experience as well. Like, do you want to talk a little bit about, yeah, that was about fun. what we found? Um, when we were, uh, down there, uh, in the spring, uh, we found the smallmouth, um, and they were, had moved up on the flats and they're getting ready to, do their spawn and um, the only thing small about them was their mouth yeah no, they were all big <laughs> when you say Those, small mouth it's like they were the, really the musky, nice i think keep the small ones uh, okay so trim down but um yeah i mean all the ones we got were really you know quality small mouth um but yeah they were staged up and um up on these shallow flats and boy if you found a piece of a little piece of structure on the flat a rock or a stump or something there was there was a big small mouth on it. It was like as close to like bone fishing that you're going to get in Washington. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess we have the carp deal too, but, um, but it was, I mean, it was stalking fish and then sight casting to many of them or at least likely spots, but sometimes you would see them swimming around and stuff like that. And that was, that was pretty rad. Well, it's too bad. We're not going to do any musky trips this next year. <laughs> Just kidding. No, we have big plans to do a lot more because, um, Man, every trip was great, and um, and so that that'll be great to be able to to do some different musky trips down there. So um, that even uh, the musky trips even uh, went into the summer. It wasn't just spring; it was summertime as well. But gosh, summer brings everyone wants to go fishing. There's a lot of tourists in town during that time of year as well. Um, man, it was a great summer. It was really good. It was a really, it was a really good summer. Um, uh, what, so like June and July, early summer, I, I still think of July as early summer. Like what was some of the fishing that you were most excited about this last year? 
Uh, well, June was really good cutthroat fishing. Um, we we did we did good. Um, July was great because we start to transition into the um, into the silver, kind of tail end of July there. Do you think June was good? Do you think it's because it was like weather dependent? Like because we didn't have like crazy hot like ninety five degree weather or something. You know, it wasn't like. It seemed like more like a normal June. That definitely seems to help, right? Yeah. Yeah. You get those cloudy days, yeah. like even just the littlest amount of clouds, January. like just, yep. yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Transitioned in July to, to uh, salmon fishing. And this year was a special year. <laughs> Every other year is a special year, right? Um, did you guys find any pinks in July? I didn't get a pink uh, until uh, the end of, the end of uh, July. Okay. Yeah, because we had um, we did our Fort Flagler camp out. I don't remember the date, but it was like about the twenty fifth or so, yeah, right? Yeah, last so week of July, I think. Yeah. last week of July, and and um, but even then, we only got two pinks. Right. There's too many coho around, and that kind of be oh, bummer. Yeah, oh bummer, right? <laughs> I mean, um, I know a lot of people were really excited about catching pinks this year, but um, but we had just we had more fun catching coho i mean coho just you just can't beat coho i mean they are they are like the ultimate west coast fly rod game fish um i mean they and we we really got into them too there was a lot of fish it was very good (laughs) yeah it's amazing when very good is an understatement (laughs) it was some of the best fishing i've seen and gosh i don't even know how long it yeah crazy good um and that made it hard too because like fishing was so good at home like right around gig harbor there were all of these resident coho around they were nice sized fish um just willing to just crush a fly but then we were like driving out to the coast and we were like running nia bay trips and stuff like that and nia bay once again <laughs> did not disappoint like it was a pretty incredible season out there uh, i mean for people that have not done a trip um kayak fishing nia bay it, it's a remote part of the state a lot of people haven't been there I mean, what's on a, on a trip like that, what can someone expect? Uh, man, the fishing is, the fishing's really good. Um, it's, it's probably, I, I would say one of the better places in, in Washington, um, certainly for salmon, um, in the salt. Why is it so good? Uh, it's close to the ocean. Um, it gets a lot of fish and it has a lot of food. Um, yeah, a lot of food food up there and those fish are just feeding really, really hard. It's, you, you just got to come see it like that's it's it's really good so we camp out um we uh we cook up some good food we camp out on a beach which is always uh i think one of the highlights of the i mean the fishing is is crazy good but the group always loves uh the camping part of it whether it's all of us uh standing there staring into the sky looking at like so many starlink satellites that we think the aliens are coming for us or um or the the shooting stars that we see or um or the the way that the fog bank kind of rolls in and like changes the way that canada looks and makes it look all purple and blue and um yeah it's 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 a pretty wild area like it just doesn't feel well i mean it there isn't a lot of people out there until you get out to the reservation um and so you have a very remote and um and wild experience and um and so the the fish is the fish that we fish for there it's not just uh coho um but we fish for all sorts of stuff and i I love this trip because like we'll sometimes we'll uh we'll fly fish for rockfish 
And uh, we're usually using seven weights or eight weights, uh, sinking lines most of the time. Uh, uh, so we have messed around a little bit with a floating line and like bass poppers and stuff like that when the rockfish are up top. Uh, but then we'll also use conventional tackle and, and fish jigs because, um, because we love to catch lingcod. Uh, if you've never reeled up a lingcod um, on sport tackle, oh my goodness, like you, you won't believe the, I mean, they, they do get big size, but you always think that you have a bigger one on than you do because they just pull so hard. But one of the, one of the great parts about, uh, about fishing um, down along the reef and stuff like that, so you don't know you're going to hook. And there's all sorts of different species. And so like I'm bringing up all these different, you know, brightly colored things or dull colored things or all these funky, weird, I mean, just tons of different species of fish. And I'm like, Aaron, what is this? (laughs) And he's like, that's a red Irish Lord or Aaron, what's this? And that's a, I don't even remember all the names of all the different stuff. Right. But there's like, there's like four or five that I, that I'm like, Oh, I know what, you know, these like four or five staples are. And then there's all these other ones that I have to consult with you because, <laughs> because you've actually done not just fishing out there, but you've done actually a lot of diving as well. Um, and why, why have you done so much diving out that way? Oh, it's amazing. Like, that's it's by far the best diving in our in our state it's uh, do you have really good water clarity because the water's colder so there's not as much frequently it's much better than puget sound okay because we get the algae blooms Mm -hmm. and that limits visibility and stuff like that and it's a high current area too yeah so i did a a kayak trip um last friday and um, i was shocked at how clear the sound was and um you know it's just october like i just i felt like it was um more clear than than normal maybe that was the area that i was that i was at but it's a fairly shallow area but yeah. we've had some cool weather and and you know when winter is coming winter's coming <laughs> um so nia uh we did how many trips did we do to nia this year we did four that's right we did four of them we did one in june mm-hmm. um and the rock fishing rockfish fishing Off the church it was crazy we they were blitzing all over bait and I've never seen rockfish go that crazy for that long. Like I've seen them like come up and boil and kind of jump around and stuff like that, but it was like sustained. Yeah. They were just like, it almost looked like they were playing. Right. It, it yeah. didn't even look like feeding. Like they were just like flopping. They were like flopping. Like they were happy fish. They come, they come straight up and then, <laughs> and then they turn like somehow they buckle over. in yeah. half yeah. and then their tail comes down. And um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. We hooked a couple of Kings that trip couple nice ones and unfortunately lost those we did hook a couple of coho which um we lost all the coho there was only i think four hooked four or five yeah like it was it's the end of june when we did that trip too so it was pretty early for those fish and it's not a guarantee that they'd be in there so that was it was just great to hook them um and then we weren't out there in july and then we went out in august we did a couple trips back to back and then again in september how do you feel like the season kind of changes and progresses like the timing wise or size of fish um or just how how yeah from like summer going into the fall like i mean what's that change like well nia bay early like that often that the rockfish fishing is is good like that at least in in my experience it's it's pretty good and then uh when the numbers of the co show up in there um Man, it's just, it's lights out, as you've seen. I mean, it's really, really good. They feed, I mean, just they're just on, they're feeding the whole time. Um, and so they grow really fast, too. So all the size difference between August and September. You know, right. They're, September, they're, 
They're nice fish. Well, there was some nice fish in August too. I was just editing down our uh, Nia Bay videos from August. It was really cool because I, I hooked a, a nice king on the fly and um, it was along a kelp bed and it was probably only in, I don't know, maybe 18, it was definitely less than 25 feet of water and um, maybe in the 18 to 22 range, somewhere around there. But anyways, um, for people that are familiar with kings, they're probably thinking like, dude, that's pretty shallow. Cause usually out fishing for Kings, people are trolling around downriggers or jigging or mooching. And it's usually known as a, a deeper, uh, water fish. I mean, how have you seen those Kings in shallow like that yeah. before? Yeah. Um, and they'll, they'll surprise you like that. Sometimes you, you know, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're hooking co and, and all of a sudden that's, you know, that's not a go. And it was on a chartreuse fly too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was even thinking, I'm like, man, I just want to sit in front of that kelp bed because that wasn't the first king that we've hooked right there. I just want to sit there with like a chartreuse clouser and just cast and count it down and let it sink and retrieve it back. And I th so I think next year, I think, I think I might even be a little bit more intentional about what fly goes where. <laughs> so, because that's a... Uh, that you know probably probably isn't going to happen for a repeat but um i don't know the chartreuse hooked several big kings this year yeah that's true well i know a lot of people are really interested in nia bay and um we consistently have great trips out there and so those trips fill up really fast um i think one of the things that makes me a little bit nervous about talking about kayak fishing out there is is for people for those of you that are out there that are like oh i have a kayak i want to go try that out and and um and I mean, we, we were out there one day where we saw one guy by himself way, way out in the middle of, of the channel. And then all of a sudden the fog comes in and like, it was, I'm like, dude, this guy's, he's going to die. <laughs> so, um, I mean, we saw some, we saw some, I mean, we try to, we try to pick the tides, right? We, we try to, you know, we make sure that we're going out in safe weather conditions and we're looking at forecasts and you and I talk about those things quite a bit, even days leading up to these trips. Um, but you know, what should people, even if they're going to go fish in a, in a small craft, um, you know, maybe not a kayak, but maybe they have a, a small boat they're going to take out there. What are some things that they need to really be considering, considering how, um, just kind of wild that area is. Yeah, safety first. I mean, that fog fog can roll in really quick. The weather can change quickly. Um, I've been caught in fog banks up there um, in little kicker boats, and um, and, you, and you hear the other boats, big not, boats coming, and you're like, oh, <laughs> it's not something you want to do. Um, so uh, definitely a good VHF radio so that you're able to communicate with the Coast Guard if needed. Um, make sure your gear is all functioning really well. If you're in a kayak, a dry suit is uh, a must. Uh, the water's really cold up there. Yeah. Um, and then just really, you know, pick good days. Like, don't don't go if the weather's questionable because it's it's really close to the open ocean and it can be it can be legit. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't go on a strong outgoing tide. And if you do, bring your like <laughs> your your uh, Japanese English translation uh, book. I mean, the other thing I would add too is um, is to go with people. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's the thing that probably makes me the most nervous is, uh, is someone going by themselves out, uh, doing coastal fishing. And, um, I mean, yeah, great that you have a Hobie and the pedal drive system can, uh, can 
you know, can fight the current and can, you know, cover a lot of water and doesn't, you know, you don't get exhausted uh, doing it. But what, what if something happens to your pedal drive system? <laughs> you know, what, what if that one cable uh, that, you know, is finally, you know, gives it up, you know, when you're the furthest out, like, you know, so I, I think that there's like uh, some worst case scenarios that, that, um, you know, people need to really think through before uh, doing some stuff like that. And we're always prepared. You know, we have, we have safety equipment, we have extra pedal drives. We have, you know, we, we, we really kind of think through what, what could happen when we're out in a remote area and we try to be prepared for that. But, you know, even then with like all the times we've been running trips, like there's still surprises that come up. So, um, so another reason why someone should book with us <laughs> just, yeah, we, we, we really just don't want customers to die because it, we, we want to grow our customer base and <laughs> we don't want to lose our customer base. So, okay. So no, no more death talking Halloween's next week. Uh, so fall fishing, we have, we have some really cool fishing that, um, is happening. That's coming up. You and I had a blast last week out on the coast and gosh, I just love those rivers, um, out on the Olympic peninsula, man, we have some, uh, some trips coming up. You want to talk about, uh, some of the stuff that you're going to be doing this fall and winter and, um, and the opportunities there that, uh, that yeah. people can jump into. Yeah. So, um, starting here in early November, we're going to be running some trips for, uh, coho out there, um, on the coastal rivers super fun if you haven't done this uh, uh floating the river out there it's it's beautiful um and the fishing uh, can be really really good uh we went out um last year um you and i had a great time on my birthday out there yeah, it, was it was incredible it was epic um and um it's shaping up to be pretty good this year it looks pretty good there's a lot so. of there's a lot of fish around and we were wondering too right because like there were I means salmon fishing in the salt water was so good this last summer we're like man we're these fish are all going to get in the rivers is it really going to be that good when they get in the rivers and then it's like yeah yeah it's going to be that good there's there's going to be a lot of fish around um well so the the cool thing about the trips that you're running is uh this november for those coho trips as well as the winter steelhead trips is uh that we have a we have a place for people to stay and uh olympic rivers retreat and so when you book a trip, it um, there's it's a package deal includes uh, lodging, and uh, you show up the night before your trip in the morning. We'll cook you some eggs and hash browns. We'll uh, go to the river and float and fish. Lunch is provided as well. And if, then if you're going to stick around and fish another day or a couple days, then we'll be providing dinner as well. So this is a great way to you don't have to worry about booking a hotel or uh, or getting food or whatever. It's you're just grabbing your waders and your boots fishing license showing up and we got got you covered on everything else so i think i think we're gonna have some fun running those trips yeah great times all the information is on our website links are down below in the show notes so make sure you check those out and thanks for joining us today thanks aaron for for just being awesome but thanks for being here too <laughs> thanks for having me